All right, Psalm 4. I'm going to read the entire psalm. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? And that really has the idea you're seeking after a lie or that which is vain or that which is false. But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increase. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. So tonight we're going to be talking about dealing with stress. Dealing with stress. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privileges we have to open your word. And we thank you that we have a written record of your dealings with man, the revelation of yourself to us, to man, and your redemptive plan. And Father, thank you for uh, this record and, 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 and then uh, a wisdom and instruction on how to live pleasing and glorifying to our Lord. We pray tonight as we look into the Word of God that you would encourage our hearts and challenge us. You know, we're living in a day of much stress. There's distress and persecutions and afflictions are increasing in the world. We know that according to the scriptures that it's going to increase for our Lord's return. But help us as your people to be salt and light. Help us to rest in the promises of God and to wait upon thee. And uh, Father, not to succumb to the pressures of life. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Many people say the number one contributor to health issues in the United States is stress. Some doctors say up to 80% of health issues are stress-related. And, of course, you know, we have, you know, stress days for schools now, and we have stress days for this and that and so on and so forth. The word stress is not actually used in the Bible, but a word here that's that contains the word stress, is used in this passage in verse 1. He says, Hear when I call, O God, of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. The word distress means here means a tight place. A tight place. So it's referring to something that's difficult, maybe an affliction. But it's, in a, it's, it's something that's squeezing you. Now the word stress... Uh, the English word stress means straining or to pressure tightly. It means to pre- a pressure employed to produce action. And isn't that often the way it is? When we're pressured, we do something. We want to act. We want to act. You know, Luke twenty one twenty five says, "Then there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars." And upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity and the sea waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear 
and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. This is talking about just before the Lord's return, that there's going to be men's hearts failing them for fear. Really the idea there is stress. They're going to be stressed out. And we're seeing this more and more in our world today. And of course we see many examples of this in the Bible. You know, Jacob was under stress when he was going to meet Esau. And, justify it, well, uh, he brought it on himself. You remember how he cheated Esau and, and lied to his father and so on and so forth. But, but he was under, go, under stress going to meet Esau. But he, he, he turned to God, and the Bible tells us there in, in Genesis, I think it's chapter 32, that he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And, and the Bible says there he, he wrestled with, with the Lord, and, and, and he's seen God face to face. It's believed that that was a pre-incarnation appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wrestled with the Lord. And he yielded. In that, he yielded to the Lord. Of course, the Lord struck, smote his thigh, and he limped the rest of his life. But Jacob became a changed man after that experience. In fact, he was, his name was changed. You know, Jacob means supplanter, deceiver, conniver. That's what the name Jacob means. His name was changed to Israel which meant prince with God. You see, Jacob turned his life, in that instant, he turned his life over to God. You know, David was in stress many times, but one particular time stands out in the life of David. You remember he had gone to, he had gone to Achish, fleeing from Saul, and, and Achish gave him Ziklag, and, and uh, you know, he was making raids, and it was like a band of rovers, you know, destroying and plundering and, and a lot of things he shouldn't have been doing. And, and, and the Amalekites invaded and, took, and, and destroyed Ziklag, burned at the fire, took all his children, his wives, and all his, his men's wives and their children, and, and took all the loot and took off with it. And it was so, everybody was so distressed and so, so burdened down that they talked of stoning David. But the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And that's really what we need to do in times of distress or times of stress. When we're pressured, when we're pressured in this world, we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We need to look to the Lord. You know, there's many, again, many, many uh, references in the Psalms to, to distress. In Psalm 25 and in uh, verse 17, Psalm 25 and verse 17, the, psalm, the psalmist David said, The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. So he asked the Lord to bring him out of his distresses. In Psalm 107, over and over again, it talks about uh, being delivered from their, dis- their stresses, distresses. Psalm 107, verse 6. Then they cried unto the Lord in in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Verse 13, uh, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Uh, Verse 19, uh, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. You know, this is what they're doing here. They're crying unto the Lord. Verse 28, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. Psalm 118, verse verse 5. 118 verse 5, again it says, I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. 
And so as we think about dealing with stress or distress, as the, the word the Bible uses, it really means the same place. You know, talking about a tight place or being pressured. Let me give you six things that we ought to do from this passage of Scripture. First of all, stand in awe. Stand in awe. Verse 4, stand in awe. You see, the problem is we often stand in awe of our problems. We magnify our problems. And they seem larger than life itself. But David is saying here, and he knows this from experience, and he, you know, he went through times where he was stood in awe of his problems too, because you know, there was times he wanted to run away. Uh, but David is saying here, look, stand in awe of God. Stand in awe of God. So you and I have a choice when we're faced with problems and problems come into life. We have a choice. We can see God from the perspective of our problems or we can see our problems from the perspective of God. And whichever way we see them is where our focus is. If you know, if you see your if you see God from the perspective of your problems, your problems are going to be larger than God is. They're going to appear larger than God is. You know, a good example, a simple illustration of this is Saul and David when Goliath appeared. That created a, a stress, a, a hardship, a difficulty in the, for the army of Israel. And the army of Israel and Saul all saw Goliath as bigger than God. It was a problem they could not do, deal with. David simply saw God in the, th- in the whole thing and said, God is greater than this, this enemy of God. God can deliver him into my hand. See, God is greater than this problem you're facing. That's, what David, that's basically what David is saying to them. So during times of stress, if you get your focus back on how great God is, it will change your perspective about how big your problem is. See, what to remember that God is bigger than any problem. He's greater than any trial. He is able to deliver you out of any stress. And as a child of God, the only reason we should we can even think that we face stress alone is because we have forgotten God. We have forgotten God. Because He has never forgotten us. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. See, God never forgets about us. We may think at times he does. And, but you know, sometimes he, and he, allows, he allows these stresses to come into our life to enlarge us. That's what verse 1 says. You know, he enlarged me when I was in distress. And so like I mentioned this morning about the children of Israel, you know, they weren't willing to go in by faith. They weren't willing to, put the, to, to take God at his word and to prove that what he would said that he would do, that he would do. And, and you know, the, and like the priests had to dip their feet in the water. That's a distress. That's taking a risk. And so we need to stand in awe. See God for who He is. 
that he is greater than any problem we face. Second thing we see here is when dealing with stress, and these are very simple, sin not. Verse 4, stand in awe and sin not. You know, it's usually in times of difficulties and times of stress that we stop trusting God. Or we, and we start trusting in our own thinking. You know, the, the natural thing is, and I'm here with you, the natural thing for us is we're going to try and work it out somehow in our own strength. We immediately want to, want to solve this problem. We immediately want to get out of this distress. And we look for any way that we can possibly do it to maneuver or manipulate or coerce or whatever it is we got to do. We've got to get out of this distress. And many times, what we find ourselves doing is sinning against God to try and work our way out of a problem, which God has allowed in our life. Understand, God is sovereign. God worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, he, Ephesians 1 tells us. In, in the child of God, in, life, in the life of a child of God, God works all things after the counsel of his own will. So he, everything that he's allowing in your life is for his purpose. We must remember that. And if we will remember that, then when we, when we come across a, a, a stress comes upon us or a problem, we ought to stop, stop and think and say, wait a minute, God's allowed this. I need to do right. I must not sin against him. And how often, how many times have you and I enlarged our problems by trying to fix them our own way? You know, David is reminding us from past experience. You know, David experienced that. Yeah, and if we don't get our eyes on God, we'll likely make the sinful decisions. You remember in 1 Samuel chapter 27, you know, David had just been delivered by a miraculous deliverance from King Saul, and, and Saul had confessed that, that what he was doing was wrong and, 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 and so on, and, and said that David would, would prevail, and, and David went his way and Saul went his way. And then David said this, David said in his heart, and then interesting, where do we err in our, in our hearts? David said in his heart, chapter 27 of 1 Samuel, verse 1, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Oh, wait a minute. God's delivered him over and over and over again out of the hand of Saul, and now he says all of a sudden, one day I'm just going to perish. Saul's going to kill me. See, he's, 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 he's under stress here, and he says, There is nothing better for me that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines, and Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. And David arose, and he passed over with the six hundred men that were with him unto Achish, the son of Mocha, king of Gath. And David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, every man and with his household, even David with his two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelite, and Abigail the Carmelitess, Nabal's wife. And it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath, and he sought to no more. He sought no more again for him. You know, and it seemed to work for a little while. 
But there's a phrase that we often use, or you might hear some conservative politicians using about the, the federal deficit. And they're kicking the can down the road. What happens when you kick the can down the road? It just tends to get bigger and bigger and bigger. The problem just seems to, you know, it's sort of like a deer, a dead deer along the road that swirls to swell. You know, that's what David did. He just kicked the can down the road. It seemed to work. However, a major blow-up was inevitable. You know, he and his men, at this point in his life, you know, David was, David did not allow, or, I'm sorry, David, God did not allow David to build the temple because he said he was a man of war and shed much blood. And let me clue you in on something. Not all of that was justifiable. And he did things in chapters 28, 29 that were not justifiable or right in the sight of God. He and his men, at this point in his, 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 his walk, his men became like a band of roamers, rovers plundering and looting cities. See, this sin of going to the Philistines, the enemies of Israel, led to other sin and, this, and, and, and David being deceitful, which really set him at odds with God for a time. First Samuel chapter 30, God in his mercy allowed a catastrophe to wake David up out of his stupor. The Amalekites invaded Ziklag while David was out on one of his raids. And they burned the city with fire and took all, his, all the, the women, the children of his men, they took them all captive. That was a devastating blow. But it was a wake-up call to David and to get his attention as to where he was heading. See, if we turn away from God in our stress, it is sin. It is sin. And so, in times of stress, we are to sin not. We do what's right. You know, Saul, under stress from the Philistines again, he waited for Samuel. Samuel said, you wait seven days till I come and offer the sacrifice. And he waited the seven days. However, the seventh day wasn't over. But the people were in distress. They were hiding in caves. They were fearful the Philistines were going to attack. And they hadn't yet made supplication to the Lord because Samuel hadn't come yet. And Saul, so Saul forced himself, is what he says. I forced myself. And he offered to sacrifice himself. You know what he did? He sinned against God. Because he was under stress. You know, a time of stress is very time, a very, very, very easy time for us to fall into the snares of the devil and sin against the Lord. So the second thing we hear dealing with stress, sin not. I've got to hurry. Third thing. Commune with your own heart upon your bed. Notice verse 4. Stand in all and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed. Now, let me put that in plain words or plain English. In other words, meditate on what God is trying to teach you. 
So stop and think, okay, what is God? God has allowed this. What is God trying to teach me through this? You know, we know that God's desire, according to verse 1, is to enlarge us. To, and that means really to grow us, to stretch us, to make us more useful and more like Him, to more trusting in Him. So, so we need to stop and ask ourselves, Lord, and think about what, is, what are you trying to teach me here? You know, he, God wants to make you greater than you were before, so He's allowed this in your life for that purpose. So we're to meditate, we're to think upon, we're to ponder what is God doing? What is He trying to teach me? And seek in prayer how to apply His Word to know how to respond in times of difficulty. You know, Isaiah 30, verses 20 and 21 says this, And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, Yet shall not thy teachers be removed in a corner any more, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand, and when you turn to the left. So, so the Lord will allow you to win times of adversity and affliction, but He'll not remove the teachers if you're looking for them, and He'll not put them in a corner and blind your eyes to him, he'll just say, this is the way. So stop and think, stop and meditate on God's word, and seek God in prayer, and ask for direction, and he'll, he'll tell you, this is the way. You, you might be put in a, remember, the meaning of the word is, to pressure employed to produce action. You know, you may be tempted it may try you to your wit's end, as we say. But we must trust God. We're to trust God. We're to, 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 to wait on Him. You know, He will show us, you know, when we meditate upon His Word, He will show us His teachers. Look at Psalm 119. As we think about David and his teachers, in Psalm 119 and verse 98, he says, Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. Now let me stop and say something right there. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. You know, they were with David too when he decided to go to Achish, king of Gath. But you know what? David didn't stop and think about the commandments of the Lord being with him. I have more understanding, verse 99, than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. You know, Proverbs 11, Proverbs, there's three references in the book of Proverbs concerning counselors. Proverbs 11:14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall, but the multitude of counselors there is safety. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. And again, chapter 24, verse 6, by wise counsel thou shalt make war, and in the multitude of counselors there is safety. So three times in the book of Proverbs, it says in the multitude of counselors there is safety, and I believe what it's referring to is, look, there's a multitude of counselors in this book, and as you meditate upon the word of God and pray and ask, seek God's face, 
God's going to bring something to your mind. You know, there are illustration after illustration after illustration of everyday life occurrences of people that face difficulties in the Word of God. And if you will set your face to God in times of stress and seek His, 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 His uh, will and His way, He can bring that to your mind if, if you put it in your mind. That's why it's so important that you read the Bible. That you spend time in this book. So when you're in a time of difficulty... And you're seeking God, God can bring it to your mind. He, he ain't going to bring to your mind what you haven't put there. You see, we have a multitude of counselors here. And so, these are our teachers, along with pastors and teachers in the church. And, you know, we teach, we teach each other. You know, we, we, you know, just like in the Bible, you have real life experiences. Many times we have real life experiences right in the church. And we can draw from those experiences of others in our own life to teach us, to help us in difficulties that we face. Some of you have been through things I've never faced. And I've been through things that you've never faced. So there's things that you can teach me, and there are things that I can teach you by example, by experience. And so those are our teachers. So we are to commune with your own heart. Meditate upon the God. Fourth thing, be still. I know these real deep. Be still. Now what does that mean? It means be still. In other words, don't react. Don't react. Do not act on your own volition or on your own will. In other words, wait on the Lord, seek God's face, and wait on the Lord. You know, that is what David did when he went to Achish in 1 Samuel 27. He acted on his own will. You know, this was kind of the, the, the whole directive of King Saul's life. This is how he lived. He acted, you know, at any time there was a difficult situation for Saul, he acted on his own will. You know, when Saul gave him a command, or when Samuel would give him a command, he would alter those commands to suit himself. When God said they sent him to destroy the Malachites, he altered the commands to suit himself. See, he wasn't waiting on God. You know, in times of stress, you know, we just often want to run away from our problems. And that's, that's human nature. But by doing so, we never solve our problems. Again, we just kick the can down the road. Somebody said this, quote, No matter where you go, you are there, unquote. You know what that really means? No matter where you go, you take your problems with you. You can't run away from them. Psalm 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, Israel was stressed out. The mountain 
was beside them, the sea was before them, and the nation of Egypt was behind them. And they were stressed out. You know what Moses told them by the word of the Lord? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He said, just stand still. You know, the natural instinct, would have, they would have started to scatter and just run for their lives. But no, God said, stand still and see the salvation lost. You, know, you cause more stress by running. Stop trying to do it in your own. Look to God. Give it to Him. Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. So be still. Fifthly, do what is right. Verse 5, offer the sacrifices of righteousness. Now, I believe the wording is fitting here. It says sacrifices of righteousness. Righteousness has the idea of doing what is right in this instance. You, You and I as Christians doing what is right. And in times of stress, that is a sacrifice. That's hard to do. You know, it's easy to do right when everything's going great. It's easy. But when you're put to the test, and when you're pressured by, by society or by someone, you're, you're pressured into, you feel like you're being pressured into a corner, it's hard to do what's right. It's not easy. And so there's a great temptation to sin during times of stress, to quit, to give up, to lose hope. That's what many have done because of the so-called pandemic. They just quit. No. And this is a choice we have to make. We have to choose to do what is right. You know, doing right for David while being hunted like an animal is difficult. I mean, we don't know for sure how many years David was hunted like that. Does, the Bible doesn't really give us a clear uh, you know, time frame, but you know, it was a period of time. Hunted like an animal. For doing nothing wrong. I mean, for being a servant to the king. For defending the king. And yet the king hunts him like an animal. Wants him dead. Considers him an enemy. That was difficult. But he needed to do what was right. And so, in times of stress... It is a sacrifice to do what's right. It's difficult. It's hard. It tries your faith. It stretches your faith. But then number six, it, we need to trust in the Lord. Notice again verse five. Offer the sacrifices righteous and put your trust in the Lord. In other words, we are not to take matters into our own hands. We're to, do, we're to let God do what He will and trust that He will always do right. Because He will. You see, the temptation is to take things into our own hands and do what we think is best instead of letting God work it out. And let it, instead of letting God work in our lives to direct us the right way to act. You know, Daniel and his three friends were put in a real predicament. They were in a stressful situation. 
faced with the king of Babylon and what his desires were for them and, and the meat and the wine that they were, they were supposed to eat. And, and so that, after all, they were, they were wanted to be wise men, to be counselors to the king. So this was a very, very high up position in government, what carried much responsibility with it. So they were, they were, they were as much expected of them. So there was a lot of responsibility here. And then this meat that's been offered to idols was set before them to eat. They had to, have, they had to make a choice. Am I going to offend God or am I going to offend the king? You know, and Daniel was a spiritual man who was in fellowship with the Lord and the Lord, you know, I believe the Lord, Daniel pondered that and thought, what shall I do? And the Lord directed Daniel to off, offer, offer us an alternative, which was granted. See, we have to let God work it out. Let God direct our past and trust that he will do what is right. And God will do what is right. So Deuteronomy 32.4 says, He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. You know, in Genesis 18.25, you know, Abraham's pleading with the Lord for Lot and his family in Sodom. And he said, well, if there's 45 there, Will you not destroy the city for 49? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? It's the question he asks. And the Lord says, I will not destroy it for 45. And really the implication is, of course the judge of all the earth shall do right. He'll do right. And so we need to trust him. Now, I want to notice something else here. This passage also tells us there will be those who question your method. Notice verse 6. There be many that say, who will show us any good? Who will show us any good? You know, when, when God knows when you begin to deal with, with distresses and difficulties, those around you will question your method. You can't rely on God. It's just not going to work. That's what they're going to say. But God can be trusted. Then I want you to notice two final things. There's two blessings that, of trusting God at times of stress that come to us. Notice verse 7. First of all, there's gladness. Verse 7, Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increase. So, so when, when we trust the Lord in difficult times and trust the Lord at all times, and we wait upon Him and allow Him to direct our steps even in difficult times, God puts gladness in our heart. There's a joy that comes. Even in difficult times. It's a gladness, it's a joy that's more than what the world has to offer with all their, with all their uh, prosperity. You know, you know, he's talking about 
more than their corn and more than the time that their corn and their wine increase. So he's talking about being prosperous in the world. And boy, that makes the people of the world very happy and glad, you know, that they, they have lots of, uh, you know, wealth and prosperity laid up and so on, riches. And, and God says, I'll give you a gladness that's more than that. If you'll trust me. When you trust me. You know, Peter and Paul wrote the last books they wrote. Second Timothy, Paul wrote. Second Peter, Peter wrote. It was their last writings. Both knew they were going to be martyred very soon. But they weren't crying. They weren't crying. They'd already given it to the Lord. They were rejoicing in it. They were rejoicing in the Lord. Paul wrote Philippians from the jail. And he said, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. You know, this is a, again, this is a gladness. It says, Thou hast put gladness in my heart. Have you ever had that experience? I remember the first time I ever witnessed to somebody. And it didn't go well. I mean, he cursed at me. But I had a gladness. I had a joy in my heart that was, to me at that time, strange. And I kind of first felt bad about it. Why was I so, why, why was I so joyful when he didn't, you know, uh, you know, nothing good came of it. I, at least I didn't think. But here's the thing. I had done what God had asked of me to do. In other words, I was obedient to the Lord, therefore there was a gladness that the Lord put in my heart. You know, if I'd have been discouraged and sad, do you think I'd have been running to witness to another person? But the Lord put a joy in my heart because I had been obedient to Him. And the Spirit of God gave me a joy and a peace in knowing that I had done what was right in his sight. And then there's a second thing here. God will give you rest. And we talked a little bit about that rest this morning. But verse 8 says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell and save me. Now, I want you to notice, I want to read that verse again. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. When we give our burdens, our distresses, our stresses to the Lord, we can rest in Him. Knowing that He doeth, does all things well. You know, one of the favorite Psalms is Psalm 23. But you ever think about some of what's in that psalm? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, that I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Now, walking through a valley... 
death, if you're not right with the Lord, it'd be a stressful. It'd be a fearful thing. But David said, I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not fear evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, God will give us rest. When we, when we cast our burdens upon the Lord, He shall sustain thee. And when we give our burdens to the Lord, it should release us of the burden. So if you give the burden to the Lord, think of it this way, it is now His responsibility. Because you are His child. And He has promised, again, never to leave thee nor forsake thee. He has promised to be your helper. You know, the world has a lot of ideas of what to, how to handle stress. But God gives us some simple things here. Of course, these won't work for the world because they don't know the God of all the earth. They don't know the sovereign God that we know. They are not a child of God. But because He is our Lord and our God, He will undertake in our stress if we will give it to Him and allow Him to work it out for our good and for His glory. May we learn. Again, this is something that's learned. We have to learn. And something we work at I cannot say, stand here before you and say, I've got this all down. <laughs> I'd be lying. Something we need to work at. Stand in awe and sin not. Allow God to enlarge you in the times of distress.